Well, it is indeed good to see everybody here today. I'm thankful for the opportunity to stand before you and to proclaim the Word of God. What a beautiful day we have in the Lord. And we look around, look around us at the beautiful weather, the sunshine, that, that hope of spring uh, that is just around the corner, that new life. And that is exactly what we have in Christ, is new life. And, and as we see from his, his creation, it sounds forth and gives testimony of him. Today we're going to continue in our lesson series that we've been uh, conducting, and that is on worship. And today we're going to be talking about giving. We're going to start out as we have in the past several weeks with the verse John 4 verse 24 and it puts to kind of put our mind in focus of how we want to be looking at worship God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth that's John chapter 4 verse 24 and we need to be sure and we should strive every day and every time we come together that we are seeking to worship him as he's asked, to worship him in spirit and in truth. And over the past few weeks, we've looked at the scripturally authorized avenues of worship. Uh, you know, the terms uh, avenues of worship, you won't find that in the scriptures, but it's just a way to, to intimate the, the ways in which God desires to be worshiped that we can find in scripture. And those avenues or those channels or those ways that we approach the Lord in worship, uh, we're told from the scriptures that we must be taught that teaching is important and commanded by the Lord. How else are we going to know of his truth? How else are we going to worship him in spirit and in truth when we don't know what he's been asking of mankind? Prayer is also important. That, that ability to go and give our petitions to the Lord and to understand that he will understand our needs. That he is able. And, the, and to remember that we must pray, of course, in a pleasing manner. Uh, we must not be thinking of our own desires and our own will, but, of course, that we pray with his will. That we understand that those things that all things that are done are going to eventually fall out and be a part of his will. We must be praying in that direction that our lives be structured in such a way that we are seeking to follow his will. The Lord's Supper is another avenue of worship that we've talked about. And the Lord's Supper we'll do here in just a little while. It is commanded upon the first day of the week that the Lord's people come together and remember his death. And uh, he, Christ gave that example of what he wanted to be done in the Lord's Supper. And we looked at that. And if you've missed any of the, of the lessons, then by all means, they're all uploaded to our YouTube channel. Uh, there's a, cards on the back table that have a little... Uh, direct link right to the YouTube channel. By all means, you can go back and listen to these uh, and uh, be a part of the entire, the entire series if you've missed some. Singing is something that we talked about last week, the importance of singing and how we, we, we've just done that just a few moments ago. And uh, it is commanded by the Lord that we sing to him. And we talked about how God expects that we do that without the aid of musical accompaniment because he's asked us to sing. And he's asked us to sing, and Ephesians 5.19 tells us to make melody in our heart to the Lord. He's given us. It's very, very simple, and I, I know I missed it years, uh, for years and years as I, as I was uh, a part of a denominational group. I missed that God told us right there what instrument that we are to be using, our heart. He didn't ask for an instrument built with hands. He didn't ask for an instrument that sounds good to us. He asked for the instrument that he built, that he made. And we talked about that last week. Uh, and today we're going to talk about giving. 
Now, as we've looked at all of these, all of these avenues of worship that we can find in the scriptures, you know, we realize as we go, we've gone down through there that not all worship is pleasing to God. Scripture, of course, tells us how the Lord desires to be worshipped. We learned that teaching must be continual and according to the Lord's commands. That prayer must be understood. You've got to know what you're praying. It's a, it's a petition to the Lord. You must have an understanding of those things. And it must be continual. It's not something that you do just once in a while, but it's something that is a regular part of your everyday life. And uh, we're even told in the scriptures, if you, if, if you just don't even know what to say, that the, that the Lord will be able to understand what the needs of your heart is. And you'll be able to understand that. So don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to approach the Lord in prayer. And we also learned when we were talking about the Lord's Supper that it was commanded on the first day of the week, as we already said, and that the Lord's Supper has that purpose of remembering Christ and proclaiming his death until he comes. And then, as we talked about singing, we also talked about singing with understanding. Understanding the words that we say. You know, uh, Brother Mike uh, comes up here most, most Sundays, he's the song leader, and he comes up and tells us what number to turn to, like number zero today that we haven't heard of before, but it was a good song. I appreciate that. And as we turn to those numbers and we look at those, we look at those songs and we say the words, do we ever really stop and think about what we're saying? Uh, on the uh, obverse of that, when we think about songs that maybe we sing in the car, as we're driving down the road, do we ever stop and think about the words that are in those songs? Now, some, another food for thought there. But as we come together, as we come together to sing, as we're commanded, then we should also have that understanding of what we're singing, understanding that it is a part of the worship service nonetheless. Today, we're going to, of course, talk about uh, that another authorized avenue of worship, and that is giving. Now, giving is an unpopular subject. It's one that is uh, many times avoided because it's a touchy subject, because people uh, don't like to talk about money, even within a relationship, even within a marriage. Uh, sometimes the, the, the idea of talking about money is not fun. I can tell you that between Angela and I, uh, there have been some times where Angela said, I just don't want to talk about money right now. You know, and, and that's... And that's understandable and as we as we go as we go through our lives and we we have to talk about these things and when we are thinking about the church when we're thinking about the family that we have here in the church we've got to talk about money a little bit and not just that but giving of ourselves you know giving is that unpopular subject some have profaned the lord and given given the Lord's church a bad name because they've gotten up and, and uh, they've, been, they've basically just been there to fleece the crowd and been there to take money from the people that walk in the door. And that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose that we see laid out in, in the scriptures. Many have made a business out of the Lord's name. If you turn on the television and see some of the things that, 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 are, that are called godly, some of the televangelists out there, the ones that, uh, that we've heard of that are driving around in their Ferraris and that have their multi-billion dollar estates uh, around, around the world. Uh, we, we see those things and we can very clearly see the superficial nature there. We can very clearly see that the focus is not on spreading the gospel. The church is here for a purpose, and as we have been learning about worship, we've also been kind of talking about the purposes of the church as, we, as we've gone along. And the, the church has a very specific uh, purpose, and it's here to spread the gospel, to help the needy saints that are, that are among us, and to, uh, to build up one another. 
You know, as we go through life, we need to be those that, that build each other up, that keep a watch over one another, that study together, that we grow stronger in the Word. But as we think back to those hucksters, I guess you might call them, out there in the world that have used the Lord's name and done things in His authority to make money and to pad their bank accounts, realize that mankind looking out from the outside looking in Sometimes they just assume that all the churches are the same. But we understand that Christ built his church. And his church is distinct. It is different from, those, from any other church. It is the one church that we can point to in the scriptures. That we can understand that if we become a part of that church. And I mean by the church I mean the people, not the building. When we become a part of that body of Christ then we can have that assurance of heaven after a while. Now John 17, 17 says that sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. And that's exactly what we want to do here today. We want to look into the word that we might be sanctified, that we might have that purification of our heart, our soul, to uh, have that reformation of the way that we think that we might have that mind of Christ. So as we move on and talk more about giving, we need to remember and we need to give with that understanding that God has given to us. Uh, it's very important that we realize who we are, how much authority we have, which is none. Christ was given all authority, Matthew 28, 18. He has all of the authority. And as we remember, as we remember the things that God has done for us, and sometimes we forget mankind, we have a short memory. Some of us, including myself, uh, have an even shorter memory than the average mankind. We need to be reminded. We need to look into the scriptures. Deuteronomy 8 at verse 18, we realize the way back there in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, it was true. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Now, prior to that, if you look into the verses before uh, verse 18 in Deuteronomy 8, Israel, to give you some context, Israel is being warned by Moses, God's people are being warned by Moses. In verse 11, it says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. You know, if you uh, think about how busy we get in our lives, it's very easy for us to forget God. It's very easy for us to get wrapped up in all of the things that we do and keep ourselves busy with every day. Uh, not the least of which would be going to work and you know having to have a job and support your family and put food on the table. That consumes us. And some jobs are, are all-consuming. Prior to my time with you here in, in owning a business, I can tell you that, that uh, business and vocation sometimes will just consume your life. And you end up wondering where the day has gone. And before you know it, Time has gone by and you haven't done what you should be doing as far as studying the scriptures and to build up your family and teaching them and to be thinking on these things of the Lord. We are told, the Lord's people were told back in Deuteronomy, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. The ability to just get up in the morning and have breath in our body. The, the fact that we are sitting here upright and breathing. You know, that, that's a gift from God, and we should not discount that. We should not forget him in everything that we do. Let us never forget that with God we have nothing. Even if you spent, uh, one moment of your, haven't spent one moment of your life remembering God, you've received blessings from him. You've received blessings from the Lord, including that breath of life and that time that you have to seek him and find him. While there's still breath in your body, that time 
is still going on. In Matthew 5, verse 45, at the end of that verse, we read, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. We are all blessed by the Lord. Every human being on this earth is blessed, realizing that that life that we have, that breath of life that we have, was breathed out from the Lord into Adam and Eve, and then the power given there by the Lord for us to multiply. That life continues on. That breath of life, the, the, thing, the, the sustaining life that we have around us, the ability that we have to go out and get food. It's a little easier for us now in this society in this time. You know, I was thinking yesterday as I, I was going to get, I had a hankering for White House chicken. If you've been to Barberton, you have to have been to White House chicken. Yesterday, I looked at Angela and said, I want White House chicken. And so I got in the car and I went out and found me a chicken. And I was thinking about how different it was in times gone by when, when you would really have to go out and, and kill the chicken and, and, and prepare it. I just went out and exchanged money for a cardboard box full of chicken. And it was good. And that was a blessing from God that I was able to do, the, able to do that. Everything in our lives are a blessing from God. And all that we do should be to his glory. In 1 Corinthians 10 at verse 31, we read, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And when we talk about authority, and I often mention Matthew 28, 18, and I ask if Jesus Christ has been given all authority, how much does that leave us? And the answer is none. When we read this, and we still see that word all again, do all to the glory of God. So everything that we do in our lives, all of the things that we do, we should be doing to the glory of God. If we find ourselves doing something, and, and when we stop and honestly take inventory, we realize that God wouldn't be glorified by me doing this, then we need to stop. We need to change directions. That's the whole idea of repentance, having a new purpose a new goal in our lives. You know, John 3.16 reminds us of this gift that we've received from the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a verse that is probably the most popular verse in the world. Most people, uh, if you're breathing and have ears that work, you've probably heard that verse. And it is thrown out there all over the place and misquoted and all, all sorts of things. But realize the depth there in that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a gift. What a gift that was prepared. The, the people of God, Israel, as we talked about a moment ago back there in Deuteronomy, they were being prepared for this gift that was coming. All things were pointing forward to Christ. We are so fortunate to live in a, in a time, in a dispensation of time that we have Christ. We have not the old law, which was burdensome, but we have this new law. And the things that he asks us to do are not burdensome. In fact, it's the least we could do. You know, oftentimes we understand that uh, in our family, as our is our uh, and I know this is happening amongst the, the brethren here to some degree as our as our family gets older as our parents age and get older and our grandparents we we feel that desire to take care of them and to do well for them why because they have done so much for us because they in as far as the physical aspect of bringing life into this world they gave us life you know, they, they fed us, they uh, maybe nurtured us in the, in the Lord, maybe they shared the gospel with us, and we perhaps grew up with godly parents. But at the very least, they did a lot for us. And, and we understand that in that physical realm. We need to be sure that we understand that in the spiritual realm as well, that we might give not only of our money, I don't want this lesson to be entirely about money, but that we give of our time. 
that when we put God first, we understand that that's going to necessarily mean that our mindset is going to be different than that of the world. Our mindset is not going to be set on, well, I, you know, I, I, I've got to do this because I'll lose, I'll lose some money if I don't do this. Well, what, what are you doing for the Lord today? That's, that's a question that we, should, that we should ask each and every day that we wake up. Just like these other avenues of worship that we've talked about, we must give with understanding. Just like we talked about singing with understanding and praying with understanding. We have to give with, under, with understanding as well. Understanding who God is, who we are, where our proper place in this, in this hierarchy is. God is God. And we are not. That's a, those are words from a song that, uh, that I remember singing years ago. Uh, I used to be on the radio. And, and, uh, and the words have stuck with me. God is God and I am not. Because sometimes we tend to start thinking that we are indeed like God. That was the problem in the, in, in the garden. When Adam and Eve, when, Adam and Eve, when, when Eve was tempted, you know, the, uh, the serpent told her, you can be like God. You can be like God and know all things. And that was the downfall of mankind, literally. As we, as we think on these things and we think on our giving, realizing that it is a command uh, on the first day of the week, that we have to have an understanding of why we're doing it, uh, an understanding of the purpose of giving. Giving, of course, as we just mentioned, is commanded on the first day of the week in 1 Corinthians 16, the first two verses. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Now clearly laying aside was commanded on the first day of the week as a function of the assembly. We see throughout the scriptures, and as we've looked these past few weeks, we see that word, those words, on the first day of the week. When you come together, on the first day of the week. Uh, so this is, this is no different. This is a command uh, directly to the church to do, to do this, to, to lay by in store. So as we go through our life every week, and we think about all of the all of the things that, that we're blessed with, do we think about the fact that all of those blessings are a direct result of, of the Lord giving us the ability to be here, to, to breathe, to be able to, <clears throat> to uh, accumulate the wealth that we need or the, the uh, ability that we need to support ourselves? Why does God need my money? That's a question that we hear often. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, the church, God doesn't need my money. God doesn't operate on money. And you're right. He doesn't, he doesn't pull out his checkbook and fix things like mankind does. But realize that we're stewards of all things that we've been given. We're not owners of those things. You know, as we, let's read 1 Peter 4, starting at verse 9. We read, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, God doesn't need money, but we need to work. In Genesis 3, in verses 17 through 19, let's, let's turn over there for a moment in Genesis, the very first book in your Bible. Genesis 3, starting at verse 17, says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, 
for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. By toil and by sweat, we, we gain the sustenance that we need in order to, to live. It wasn't like that prior to the fall. It, Adam and Eve lived in that proverbial paradise. He, he, they did not have to toil and sweat for their, their sustenance. But after the fall, we mankind, we must toil and we must sweat. That's one of the reasons that we must work. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 3 at verse 10 that we must work to eat. If a man does not work, neither shall he eat. So we must, we must work to obtain that. And money is the fruit of our labors in our society today. And as such, we must remember God. Remember when, when uh, people in the Old Testament, we, maybe for another lesson, we can look back at this again, but, but the uh, people of God in the Old Testament, when they, when they had flocks and when they had uh, many animals to their name, you know, they gave the best, they looked for the best among that and they gave that percentage that was the, the they tithed to the Lord and they gave that percentage of everything that they own now under the new covenant under the new testament we don't have that tithe per se but in, instead we're told there in first corinthians 16 uh, as we read there on the first day of the week in verse 2 on the first day of the week let each one of you lay something aside storing up as he may prosper and we'll, we'll read later that as we, as we see fit in our heart, as we decide in our heart that we must give to God. Now realizing all the things that you know, physically need to be done. As you look around us, you know, we, have, we have a building here that, that necessitates that we have some maintenance costs involved. We have... We have uh, we have the, the saints among us. We just heard from, from Brother Rick about saints that are needy in the world. Uh, and you know, the, the church has, has an obligation to, to those things. To handle, we talked in, in, a, in the meeting this morning, we talked about the looming Medina County Fair. And <clears throat> that's one of the ways that we reach out to the community and try to Share the gospel with others. That in, in sitting there for the long hours at that booth and that, uh, that maybe one person would come and, and, and sit and, and talk. That one person might hear of the gospel and have their ear perked up, their interest uh, awakened. That they might start asking some questions. That seeds might be planted. And those things, you know, the... the the materials, the, the things that they can take with them and, and study, the uh, paper that is used, it, it all costs money. And as we're stewards of those things that, we, that we've been given, you know, we, we understand that we need to rightly divide those things as well. The treasury of the local church, as we mentioned earlier, is used for preaching, for evangelism, for benevolence of the needy saints, and for edification of the saints you know the uh in first corinthians 9 at verse 14 we read even so the lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel and uh i i'm i'm thankful for everything that you've done for me and this is not of course the thing that makes this such a touchy subject is the preacher stands up here and of course uh he receives a paycheck from the from the, from the local brethren, and so people automatically start to think, well, he's just asking for more money. Well, I can tell you that in the time since, uh, since I started here, uh, I've been very richly blessed by you and, and brethren from, from all over the world, and it's been a wonderful opportunity, and this is not the purpose of this lesson. I'm not, I'm not asking for uh, anything for myself, but as we think on the use of our everything that we have we need to think about how we are using it if we are using it properly for the lord and and we have as the local church we have that whether it's me or somebody else you know those who preach the gospel gospel are worthy of their keep and of course 
that is one of the functions that the local church's treasury is to, is to cover. And then in 1 Thessalonians 1.8, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. You know, from that local church, the word of the Lord sounded forth. And that's the same thing that should be happening here. You know, can we look at ourselves and say that, yes, from this local church, the word of the Lord is sounding forth. You know, I think that it is to a degree, but I think we can do better. We can always do better. And as we, as we think on these things, we realize that part of that means that, you know, in this day and age, we're going to need a computer. And we're going to need to have internet access to be able to reach those. Right now, it's hard to get people to come and sit down in a local assembly. We, of course, long for that day when, when things return to normal. But we still need to be reaching out and trying to, to reach people, to share the gospel. And even after things return to normal, we're going to need the, the ability to teach and the, these uh, Visual aids and so on are very helpful for that. A lot of time we understand that people learn in different ways. So all of these things that uh, pertain to uh, evangelism and teaching, seeking and saving the lost, those things uh, are part of the local church and as such the local treasury can be used for those things. We have the benevolence of the needy saints. In Acts 4, you know, knowing that Acts kind of lays out for us the first century church. In Acts 4, you know, this is after the day of Pentecost. This is after those 3,000 souls were saved. In Acts 4, starting at verse 34, we read, Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. We need to be those that, <clears throat> that look around as the, as the local church. You know, is there anybody among us that needs help? Is there, uh, is, is there some way that we can be helpful in that, in that way? This is, again, another way that the treasury of the local church can be used. Now, this is <clears throat> another part of the, the sticky argument, and I get this one all the time, and, and, and I really loathe it, <laughs> that... That people, uh, that people look at the, at the Lord's church and they say, well, why don't you have a soup kitchen? Well, why don't you pass out food to the needy? And why don't, why don't you do all of these things? Because we don't have authority in the scriptures for the church to do that. But individuals can do that. And that's for another lesson. But the work of the church is very specific. Individuals can go out and do all of those other things. And that... That, that puts us in a, in a sticky place sometimes because that's not a very well-received message. When, when you start to explain that, well, the, we don't have authority for, for that in the, in the scriptures, a lot of times people say, oh, well, you just want to keep your money. You're just stingy. And that, <clears throat> and that presents a problem. But individually as saints, we can make up for that difference. We can be those that are beyond reproach, that people can't look at us and say, well, they're just stingy and they don't help. But as we need to keep things in focus, the, the work of the local church includes the benevolence of the needy saints. It doesn't uh, include the benevolence of everybody. And that's, that's one of the things that the, that the uh, world tends to promote, that we should take care of everybody. And, and in doing so, in the mind of someone who hasn't been studying the scriptures to show themselves approved, that isn't listening to the scriptures, it makes, makes us sometimes look bad. And, we, and we, we need to step up the game wherever we can individually. And then, but realize that we must not step out of line with the will of the Lord. Benevolence of the needy saints, and that's a, an entirely other lesson. In you know the work of an individual versus the work of the church, and we'll we'll get there someday. Uh, but the other thing that the Lord's church and the local treasury can be used for is the edification of the saints. You know, one of the things that, uh, however many years ago in 1994 or whenever, uh, you bought these books, 
And these books are used for an authorized purpose in the, in the worship that we conduct. And it is there for the edification of the saints. And uh, as we think on all those things that, that we might purchase that help us to edify one another, the, the, the computer, the projector, the screen, all help in the edification and the preaching of the saints. You know, we, we must make sure that we have our sights focused on the will of the Lord. Now, once we understand all of those things, once we understand that, uh, you know, these things are being done, and let me, let me turn around for a second and go back to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 12, we're talking about edification of the saints. I forgot to read this. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 12, for equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for edifying of the body of Christ. And then in verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now the more of us that there are, the easier the workload becomes on each and every one of us. You know, it, it's, it's oftentimes been mentioned that, and, and this is true of any group, I don't care if it's the Boy Scouts or if it's the church, if it's a group of people, this is true. But there are a few people that carry most of the weight in, 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 in any group of people. And, they, and it ought not be that way in the Lord's church. As we look around at the things that need to be done, when we think about, you know, maybe we have a work day in the summer. You know, we need to think about making that a part of our, of, of our, of our plan for the week, for the day. And not all of us can do that. I understand that, that some, some cannot physically uh, meet the needs of some of those things, but all of us can do something somewhere. And we need to be sure that when we are thinking about giving, we're not only thinking about giving of money, but we're thinking of giving of ourselves. And the money will follow. When we think about giving of ourselves, when we put our focus on the Lord we'll start to understand that, yes, you know, these things need to be done. And then you can give cheerfully, not begrudgingly. And that's the next point. We need to give cheerfully. We're told to give cheerfully. In 2 Corinthians 9, starting at verse 7, so let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart. And I told you that was coming. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, we are to be those that have an understanding of what <clears throat> needs to be done. When we, when we put our focus on the Lord, it becomes something that we do gladly. When our focus is on the Lord, we gladly come together as we have done here today. When our focus is on the Lord, we gladly say, you know what, there is a need in the church. And I think that I have the funds and I'm able to help with that. And, that, and, and that, that's something that each and every one of us should, to look, should look at our own selves and our own situations and understand that we must give as we purpose in our hearts. So purpose in your heart, thinking about who God is, thinking about where you should be. Uh, in, in, in giving. So as we, as we continue on thinking about this, when we love the Lord, doing his will results in that joyful heart. You know, remember that the eunuch in Acts 8, you know, once Philip and he went down into the water and he was baptized, Philip was taken away. And what did he go on doing? He went on rejoicing. He, he wasn't sad about that. And much the same way, when we do what we're supposed to do when we worship the Lord as we are supposed to, when we are uh, putting him first in all things, it brings joy to our hearts. It really is a joyful thing to serve the Lord. It's not something that we do begrudgingly. We, we begrudgingly get up and go to work. You know, I, I, I spent 20 years teaching young people to drive and I can't tell you that I hated it any one day. I, I enjoyed myself in doing that. I, I did enjoy my work. But there were days when I didn't want to get up and go and drive students. 
And that, I think you can understand when you, no matter how much you love your job, there are going to be those days that you just don't want to get up and go do it. But I can tell you that serving the Lord is a joy. It is a joyful thing to be able to know that, that serving the Lord is, uh, is a part of your day. When we have that mindset, when we have things in perspective. If we're going to give cheerfully, we must plan. We must honestly plan for that. You know, as we see that statement in 2 Corinthians 9, as he purposes in his heart. We must purpose in our heart. That means we've got to think about it. That means that as we started out the lesson talking about how people don't like to talk about money, well, if we're going to be cheerful givers, we've got to talk about money. We've got to talk about giving of ourselves. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They were not honest in their, in their giving. To refresh your memories, in Acts 5, the first 11 verses speaks about Ananias and Sapphira. And in, in verse 1, it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife, also being aware of it, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While that remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him off, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her and said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. So they, they had talked about it. They had agreed that they were going to hold back a certain amount. And then they went and lied. And, and it was their money. They could have done what they wanted to. The problem was that they had told God, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this much. Yet they changed their mind and they secretly tried to hold this money back. In verse 9, then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Now, as I always told my driving school students, you want to learn lessons about dangerous things like how you can die in a car crash uh, before you get to that point. You want to learn it from someone else's example. You don't want to learn that one personally. We don't want to learn this one personally either. We don't want to stand before the Lord and, and, and have him remind us that we've told the Lord at some point in our lives, if I just get that next job. I'll give more to you, Lord. If I can just do this, then I'll set aside more time for you, Lord. And then, and then we stand there realizing that we didn't do that, that we lied to the Lord. That's a scary place to be. We should learn from the examples that we have in the scriptures, not like mankind has been known to do because we just are bad at that, but that we look honestly at the examples and we look inwardly to ourselves and we say, does that match me? Am I one that can say that I give cheerfully? Am I one that, say, that I can say that I think on all those things and the blessings that I have and I give properly as it is purposed in my heart that is seeking after the Lord? Uh, th those are all important questions and important things that we should be asking ourselves each and every day. So that kind of wraps up my thoughts on giving. Uh, I hope that it is uh, taken as it is meant to be. It is not... Again, as I mentioned before, this being such a touchy subject in the world, it's not meant to be something that is seen as a money grab. I want us each and every one to think, as this local body of the, of the Church of Christ, that we, that we think honestly about how we are acting in our giving. That we, that we think honestly about you know, where we can do better. That we think honestly about how, where we're putting God in 
our lives? Does he hold a place of importance or is he just secondary to other things? So as you think on those things, we also want to remind you of the things that we've talked about a little bit this week or these past few weeks. Uh, so in summary, we've learned that worship must be on God's terms to be acceptable. God spelled out his terms of worship in the scriptures. We have teaching, prayer, the Lord's Supper, singing and giving as those ways that he desires to be worshipped. What is pleasing to us isn't necessarily pleasing to God. We understand that uh, when we look around at the world and when people have added things to the worship of the Lord that please them, singing and, and, and other things. It becomes, it becomes something that isn't recognizable as worship to the Lord, not when you compare it to the scriptures. It will be unrecognizable to the Lord. In fact, when we think about what we're told in the scriptures, those that make those additions and change things and worship the Lord as he's not asked will be told, go away from me. I've never known you. That those are, again, words that should make us quake. Let us be content to worship only as God has asked. We need to remember that worship is not entertainment. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here for our purposes. We're here because it is a commandment of the Lord. We're here to carry out what the Lord has desired of his people. We need to remember that there's no, there are no special holy days mentioned in the Bible. When you are here on December 25th, if we're here on December 25th, I don't know if that day falls on a Sunday or a, or a Thursday, but there will be no difference because we don't find that commandment in the, in the scriptures. Easter is coming up soon and, and it's just another day. And when you research where the, these holidays came from, they came from men a long time ago, but they came from men not from the Lord. We can't find those things in the scriptures, a commandment to do those things. Every first day of the week is alike in our worship unto God because he said so, because that's what he's asked for. Again, as we opened this lesson and as we've opened every lesson in this series, John 4.24 tells us God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I hope that we continue to do that. I hope each and every one of us looks inwardly to be sure that we are indeed doing that. As we've looked through the, the scriptures and continue to work, look through the scriptures together these past few weeks, we've understood John 4.23, just a verse before, uh, reminds us of how clear the word of the Lord is. But a time is coming and even now has arrived when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And truth, for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. And in John 5, starting at verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, a time is coming, and even now has arrived, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who will hear, those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him, gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the son of man. So as we've looked at these things, as we've asked these questions, as we've looked into worship, and I, I encourage you to look further and to study for yourselves. I can't possibly go over every little point of worship and uh, how it relates to us up here. We would be here longer than, than you'd want to be sitting in these, on these benches. So I, can, I, I encourage each and every one of us to look more deeply into the scriptures ourselves to study more on these things, to use this as a springboard that we might look further and that we might uh, delve deeper into the scriptures. So as we sit here today, I ask you, have you heard? Have you heard the word of God? And will you answer that call in the word of God before it's too late? Are you subject to the Lord's invitation? We understand from the scriptures that in order for one to be saved, one must hear the word. And, and you've done some of that today. I've done my best to bring forth, to speak as the oracles of God, to speak scripture to you and not just my thoughts. One needs to hear with understanding, hear the word of God. 
believe that he is who he says he is. Once you have that belief and you truly understand who God is, then the next logical step is to change your ways and realize that God desires something different out of us. So we repent and we turn away from the sinful ways of our lives. We have a new purpose in our lives, that we would open the scriptures, that we would look and plan our daily steps according to his will, that we have that new purpose in our lives. That we confess Christ before men, not being ashamed of him, but being able to say, yes, Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Being baptized for the remission of sins, buried in the waters of baptism, raised to walk in that newness of life, and it's because God said so. Again, Christ has all authority, was given to him by the Father. And he's asked that we be baptized for the remission of sins, in obedience to him. And that's really what it's all about, that we're willing, that we're willing to be obedient to him. It starts here. It starts at baptism and then continues through the rest of our lives. Revelation 2.10 reminds us, and it's a wonderful reminder for the faithful, that if we're faithful until death, we'll receive that crown of life. And in fact, when you think of Revelation, it was written to those who were being persecuted. It was written uh, to, to be something to, to, build, to build up the church and to remind them that, that Christ is going to be victorious. Revelation 2.10 reminds us we must be faithful until death. I remind you of Joel 2, verse 32 at the beginning says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how do you call on the name of the Lord? We go to Acts 22, verse 16. We read, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So choose this day. As Joshua said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I ask you today, if you are subject to the invitation, you have an opportunity here as we stand and sing to come forward and be obedient to the gospel of Christ. Softly and tenderly.